Good morning. It's good to see you today. I want to just say as I start out that last year and this year has been a real hard year for a lot of people. And I'm really enthused today from the standpoint that I met with the elders last Wednesday evening. And they couldn't operate properly for quite a while because of all that's been going on. And we have our eldership back. I felt the other night a rededication to serving as elders. And all, all the sea is calming down a little bit. And we're adjusting. And I appreciate this congregation. You have supported me for a good many years. I wanted to tell one funny little story. If you will remember not very long ago, I stood here and I said that we're ruining the English language. And I wrote on the board, how, and then are, you. And pointed out that that was really not very good because we're losing the ability to write. And I was talking with Don Lucas on Instant Mess. And we were talking, I think, about his mother-in-law. And then when he said what he did, I said, okay. And he wrote back and said, O-K-A-Y. <laughs> the preacher got caught in his own nest. <laughs> and I appreciate that. So very much. I want to talk today about two roads. We read in Matthew the 7th chapter, verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Every day, we stand at a crossroad. A decision has to be made as to which way we're going to travel. And I don't care, you know, you may have been a Christian for a long time, and some problem in your life may have come up. And you make that decision again, which way am I going to go? Am I going to stay on this straight and narrow path? Or am I going to vary because I'm just tired? And get into that gate that is wide that we can open into. But one thing's for sure every day that a decision is going to be made. And you cannot evade that decision. I don't care who you are. You're making decisions every day. You know, back in the Old Testament, Moses gave them a decision to make. He says in Deuteronomy 30, 15, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. You're going to make a choice which way you're going to go. You're going to go into life or you're going to go into death. Because remember something, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
So that wide gate is easy to get into. And we could say it's an all-church highway. That whatever church you want to belong to, everybody's heading for the same direction, and we can go in that wide gate and think that we're going to get to heaven. Then there are those that are hypocrites in the church, that their life every day says they're going in the wide gate even when they're pretending to go into the narrow. In Deuteronomy 30 and 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And he is saying very simply that I want you to know that the decision you make is going to go to your children and to your grandchildren and so on. So make the right decision. You can either decide that where they're going to spend eternity or you can decide where you're going to spend eternity. You can either go to the promised land or you can end up in the wrong side. And then Joshua gave the choice, if you'll remember, in Joshua 24, 15, he says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You make the choice. You adapt to the country that's around you and pick up their religion and pick up their false beliefs. You pick up all these things. But you make that choice. Or you can listen to what the Lord said and follow what God said to get to where you're wanting to go. Jeremiah also. In Jeremiah 21.8, Now you shall, you shall say to this people, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. And that is the very choice that Jesus is confronting us with today. Broad and easy way that leads to eternal death. And a narrow way that leads to eternal life. So I want to look at the two ways today. The real difference in these two ways is one is easy and the other is hard. And that easy way is very easy to get into. The hard way is difficult because you have to go through a lot of storms in life. You have to go through a lot of pain. You have to give up a lot. And it's hard in that way. It's easy because of the goal that we have. But it's very hard because of the things that we're giving up. We're giving up the pleasures of this life the way that the world uses it. And we're giving up the religious life that people have that are not truly religious in the way that God wants them to be. True greatness comes from working rules. That's true in the spiritual world. That's true in the physical world. You're going to have to work rules to get things going right. I have in I sat for about an hour and emptied my brain into my computer. And by that I mean I'm saying this is what I'm going to get done this week. My week is planned out already. And this takes a discipline. I've got certain things that I've got to get done and I've put it down and I check them off as I go through these things to make sure I get it done. 
And of course, as John said this morning, I just have to check off three things because I preach in the morning, I I teach on uh, Wednesday evening, and then I do a little bit of studying there in my office. So three things. Now, I'll tell you, if you saw my list, you'd say, boy, he's busy. Now, he doesn't do much manual labor, but he sure does a lot of mental labor. And there's more problems that we have to deal with that I can shake a stick at. Have you noticed some kids, kids when they go to school, they go there and they just play and play and play, and I did that. I played and played and played and played. And other kids, the ones that we called the dorks, they sat down and studied. They would study and they would prepare and they'd do their homework. Me, I didn't have to do homework. And I just barely got through. When I get a C, my mother was so proud of me. Well, I got a lot of D's and I had to work real hard to get those sometimes. Do you realize that a good author takes months to write something? If they want to write a novel, it takes many times a few years. And that's the way it is if you're going to go write. A good marriage takes years. You know what? That first year, as somebody said, that first year in marriage, that woman looks so good you could eat her up. And the next years, you wish you had. The more you go, the storms are going to come. And as we've been studying in our Bible class, the commitment in that is something that you truly work at. You work at it. You say, why would it be? You know, my wife said it very very well the other night I said uh, I try hard she said you're very trying (laughs) well I think I think that's right some of us are very trying during these times and there are crises that comes into our life whether it be health whether it be uh, somebody else being sick whether it be the pressure of the world and the world is collapsing if you look at it so don't look at it too often it's really not good And it takes consistency to get to the end. It is the difference between being disciplined and undisciplined. That's what he's talking about. How many athletes have you seen ruined because they lacked discipline? They may be the best in the world. But if they don't practice, if they don't keep that consistency up of training their muscles and so on, training their brain, they fail. Failure usually comes from lack of discipline. And it's the difference between a thoughtful and thoughtless life. As I've said so many times, we are losing the ability to think. And that thinking is so important that you need to think on your own. Not have the world tell you how to think. 
Do you notice the majority is going a certain way and they're all protesting and they're all mad and they're all upset and they're all yelling the thing and they're back and forth on a... My, why in the world would we get into that? Well, it's because we're following a crowd. Everything in life has two aspects. One, how it looks at the moment. And then the other is how it will look in time to come. So I want to say, first of all, you have to start at the beginning and look to the end. That's the starting place. I have to see what's coming in order to start properly. And if I don't do that, I'm in trouble. So let's look for them a little bit. There are two gates. There's the wide gate. And as I said, this gate, this is where the atheist doesn't even go in there because he's already doomed. But have you noticed the religious leaders? Most of them are going in that wide gate. And why are they going in that wide gate? How can you tell? Well, they're asking you for money. And the whole thing is ranging around money. Give me money, give me money, give me money. And they're going that wide gate. And the people that are following them are following those individuals in the wide gate. And you can just belong to any church you want to. And you can get there because we may be taking different roads, but we're trying to get to the same place. And I have no doubt that they're trying to get to heaven. Heaven's a place that they're dreaming about, but they don't want to pay the price to get there. And so they just go following everybody else. You've got every kind of a denomination going into those gates. And we look at those gates and we say, what do you really believe? Well, the belief is not so important. As long as you just believe in Jesus, we'll be all right. But God said, I want you to recognize it's a narrow way to get to heaven. You may be in love with materialism. Oh, Do you think we have a problem in this country with materialism? I mean, everything, we're we're with things, things, things. As we've said before, you can pick up, watch kids and they've got their phones and they're texting. They may be texting each other, sitting right across from each other, but they're texting and they're on this. And you see people walking across the street and they're on this. You see people driving, they're on this. And... It's gadgets and gadgets and gadgets. And we don't have time to think. We turn on the radio and it says, here's the way to think. You got the right, you got the left, and then you got those that don't care about anything and they're telling us what to do. You turn on the television. Ah, Paige and I, we went through five movies the other night trying to find one that was good and every one we had to turn off. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And one of the things, if you didn't know how to cuss before, you'll know how after you watch television. It was things that when I was growing up, you could not say. They'd put you in jail. 
but we've accepted them. We've learned to accept these things, these filthy things that come into our life. And have you ever noticed something? While we're supposed to get better, the prejudice is probably greater today than it's been for a long time. Now that's just an honest fact. People are actually hating each other and looking and saying, I'm better than you. Right? The hatred and the unforgiving spirit. I just can't forgive. I just can't forgive. They did something so bad. Have you thought about what you've done to God and how he's forgiven you? So that wide gate, I'm going to tell you, takes in a multiplicity of people. Most people are going that way. And then you have the narrow gate. And oh, that narrow gate, it's something. This is the starting point. Why is it narrow? You ever stop and think why truth is so narrow? It's because the lie is so broad. Is that true? The lie is so broad and most people want to go in that. Adolf Hitler took over a country by telling lies. And the bigger lie he told, the more it became believed. You get to telling lies about things and people start believing it. Do you recognize how many false stories are on the internet? Do you realize how many false stories you hear about today that even Christians believe and they will repeat it? The narrow way. The narrow way says I'm going to leave that junk alone. I'm not going to listen to it. And the starting place I'm going to tell you is right here. You're going to have to deny yourself and be obedient. In Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now that's getting about as personal as you can get. When I say I'm going to give up my desires, I'm going to give up my way, I'm going to give up my thinking, I'm going to give up those things that distract me. Now we're getting ready to be a disciple of Christ. Until I make that decision, I can't be a disciple of Christ. We are so overloaded with the obligations that we have that we don't have time for the Lord. And the narrow way says, I'm going to deny myself and become obedient to him. Now that's a hard decision, I'm going to tell you. It's the hardest decision that you will ever make. You may not deny your friends, you may, but he says, deny yourself. And take up his cross. Do you know what you do with the cross? You crucify yourself. You say, I'm not going to live that way anymore. God, direct me. Direct me and how I'm going to go. When you, when you take up your cross, that hurts. 
One of the things people think when you become a Christian, everything is just going to be rosy and it's going to be fine. It's not going to be that hard. I just feel so good. And I'm going to tell you something. That's when the trials start. The trials start and they come and, and so often you're tempted to think like the rest of the world. The rest of the world says, you know what? God doesn't even hear prayers. I'm at a preacher. Says God doesn't care about you daily, day, every day. Well, if he doesn't care about me every day, I'm not going to care about him for eternity. Right? I serve a God that cares about me every day. And we need to get that God in our life. So, what I need to do is I need to follow Christ. How do you do that? Well, John gave part of it this morning, but certainly we listened to the Sermon on the Mount, and then we listened to the apostles, what they had to say, because that's Jesus talking to us through those apostles. So when we talk about following the apostles' doctrine, and I'm not going to take away his thunder, but following the apostles' doctrine, which we're going to talk about next week in our class, I'm going to tell you something. That means that they're doing my thinking. If we're going to have somebody do our thinking, let's let Jesus be the one that tells us how to think. So when I look and I say, you know what? How do I feel about the members? Let Jesus tell you what to do, how to do that, how to love and all of that. That's a narrow way. Because I quit thinking about me and think about you and think about him and think about the neighbors and think about these things instead of thinking about all the junk in the world. And then I want you to know, notice he says, you don't really have a desire or a consuming desire for earthly goods. Do you realize in 1929 how many people jumped out of windows and committed suicide because they woke up and found out they were broke? They didn't have any money. The bags closed. And they were tied to these earthly things and they lost everything. I see a fellow standing on the corner over in Ventura. He's been there every time we went by. And he said, I've lost everything. Lost everything. Just need some help. He didn't lose everything. If he lost everything, he didn't have anything to begin with. If I have God, I have everything. And God says, I won't forsake you. You know what? I can't hardly sleep in my bed. But I could sleep under a bridge if I had to. I haven't lost everything. I've got the relationship with God. I've still got people that love me. I've got people that care. Do you know what? I won't starve to death unless you starve to death. Isn't that true? I won't starve to death unless you starve to death. And if you, we all starve to death, then we all are going together and 
We've got a happy way to get out of this life. We need to learn that. These material things that we have, how unimportant they are. Have you ever noticed somebody that's dying and say, oh, oh, protect my money, protect my money, protect my money. I don't need to protect your money. It's not yours when you die. It may be somebody else's, maybe a lot of people's, but it's not yours anymore. You can't take a moving van and ship it ahead. It just doesn't work. When you give it up, it's, you're giving it up. And then we need to develop a forgiving spirit. In Matthew 6, 14, 15, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm going to tell you something. I know people in marriages that can't forgive each other. And if you can't forgive each other in a marriage, how in the world are you going to forgive your brethren out there? Think about that. Do my brethren irritate me? Yes, I've said it before, yes. But I'm not giving up on them. You ever talk to Ron on the telephone? I'll tell you what, he's short, 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 short. When you hang up, you say, you know what, what a grouchy old man. (laughs) And yet he's the man that comes to me and says, Mason, I love you. Now, is he lying? Or is he telling the truth? I believe he's telling the truth. He's just grouchy. How many people have this bundled up inside of them? Eating at them every day. I can't stand him. I can't stand her. I can't stand. I can't stand. Instead of saying, you know what? I can stand with them. I can help them. I'm here and I'm thrilled to death to be here with them. Thank God for them. Oh, I love Frank standing up here through the tears and all of that saying how he loved this congregation. I have always told John, and I don't tell, and I'll just tell the whole congregation, if Frank Monaco ever had a fault, it's this. He will justify anybody of anything no matter how wrong they are. Now that's his fault. So I put him on a warning. <laughs> ah, I'll tell you. If I was in a courtroom being tried, I'd want him on the jury. <laughs> <clears throat> that forgiving spirit. Ah, oh, don't you love it in somebody that when you go to them say, I'm sorry. And I really am sorry. I want to repent to you. And they say, welcome home, brother. I've been praying that you'd come back. I've been praying that you'd be here. I've been praying that we could have fellowship again. 
Oh, what a wonderful joy it is to have you. Now, don't let it close the door. Don't let that close the door. Don't let that close the door, Gary. Are you listening to me? Open the door. (laughs) We need desperately to be righteous but not self-righteous. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he says, look, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for the benefit of praising God? Is it the benefit of helping that other person? Or are you doing it just to be seen of men? And so much of our giving. Oh, when I look back. When I'd give John a present, when I'd give Larry a present, when I'd give anybody a present, I did it because it made me feel good. And what we ought to do is do it because that's what a good father does. And that's what God wants me to do. Should you spoil kids every once in a while? Well, God does every day. Yeah. Yeah. You should. So we have two groups. The many. Unless you're seeking the truth. This is the one that's going to be taken. I will guarantee you. And if you do not love truth. You will take that road. They make their own rules. I do this because I feel like doing it. Do you know what Christianity is? Christianity is that great ability to live above your emotions and make a decision based upon truth instead of what I'm feeling. Ah. We make our decisions when we're sick. We make our decisions when we're... When we're downtrodden, we make our decisions when everything's confusing. We make our decisions in the wrong time. But it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter about the world. It doesn't matter about the atomic bomb. It doesn't matter about those things. What matters is I make my decision based upon the truth. And if you make it any other way, you're following your own way. They're their own boss. I want to be the boss. I don't want God telling me what to do. I don't want the elders telling me what to do. I don't want the church members telling me what to do. I make my own rules. I can sing that song when I'm finally ready to die. I did it my way. Instead of doing it God's way. God forbid. Then you have the few... Ah, only a few are going to be saved in comparison. Do you remember back when the world was overflowed with wickedness back and for 120 years Noah Noah prophesied and preached to the people? 
In 1 Peter 3 and verse 20, he says, Who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. Eight souls out of the whole world. This ought to be our message, and this ought to be our challenge. I want to be one of the eight. I want to be one of the eight. I don't want to be out there, blub, 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 blub. I want to be one of the eight. In Luke, the 13th chapter, verse 23 and 24. Then ones that had said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Why aren't they able? They've got too much baggage. They've got too much junk. They've got all of these things and they can't get through that narrow gate. They're trying to take it all with them. And God says, get rid of it. And first, get rid of yourself. That's the lesson. If we can help you obey the gospel of Christ, we invite you to come. You know what you're supposed to do. I look at the crowd and I know that you know what we're supposed to do. So won't you come while together we stand and sing.